Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Hi, how are you? Now, I'm looking at some of the stories. An argument over sleeping arrangements led to one woman calling the guardie on her former partner. Now, I'm intrigued. Sleeping arrangements. What, he was meant to be sleeping in another bed or something? Or... Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. There was a judge hearing a domestic violence case where a middle-aged couple who couldn't afford financially to separate, they got into a row over who was going to sleep in this, in, in, in this bed one night. And the judge said it was the saddest and most unusual case of its kind that he's ever heard. And he's dealt with so many mm. cases involving domestic violence and families. But, Disputes, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's what's difficult about about this one is I I just I feel so much for people who are forced together to stay together because for financial reasons mm-hmm. and the housing which is crisis, more, more common now, be, more common now than yeah. it ever was before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it must be the worst kind of prison. But anyway, um, this is a case between a husband and wife, and it was heard at court district. District Court, Frank Bottomer, the solicitor, solicitor, said the accused was this hardworking man who was never in trouble in his life. And because he was arrested on Saturday night, on one Saturday night, he spent 33 hours in a guard cell before being released pending hearing of the case. So he spent one and a half days in a guard cell for what the solicitor described as a non-event. The husband and wife had not spoken to each other for several months, apart from all the essential exchanges in relation to their children. And they hadn't, of course, shared their bed for over a year. So they were separated but living in the same home. And the woman said when the dispute occurred about who was to sleep in the bed, she was terrified, apparently, and claimed that it was part of the coercive controls used by her husband. Right. Um, now, Judge Owen Kelleher yeah. agreed the complainant should confine her evidence to allegations of what occurred on, on Saturday night and not to keep on that Saturday and not keep things too broad. Um, he, the defendant said his wife went out on Saturdays and generally did not return and that he slept in the main bed on Saturday nights and for the rest of the week he slept on a sofa. So he said he watched a match of the day that night and went up to bed and fell asleep. But his ex-wife arrived in and told him to get out of the bed and that she was going to sleep there. Now, she testified that he refused and said, your stuff is there. You can sleep downstairs with an explosive Mm. thrown in there for good measure. So Mr. Buttermer said the complainant was hunting her ex, quote unquote, her ex-husband out of the bed and threatening to call the guardie if he did not let her have the bed. And the guards were called and he was arrested and spent a day and a half in the cell at his local guard station and asked what was what, what that was like. What was the charge? Said, <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering, I mean, can, can you keep somebody for it? Can the guards even arrest you? I'm wondering what the charge is. I mean, what were they charging him with under the Public Order Act? I don't, I don't know. What's it must have been a public order offence because there's oh. nothing else that could have worked. Sleeping in the that, bed. Yeah, the three bears would yeah. be charged for that one. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Yeah. So his, his ex-wife said that she was not returning home. Um, and uh, 
whenever this is the case, she would remove the bedclothes, but she did. She didn't do that that night, and she said there was an unwritten understanding that if the bedclothes were not removed, she would be sleeping there. Mm. Now, the judge said that people would want to be very aware that a conviction for a breach of a safety order could carry a jail term up to twelve months of up to twelve twelve months. And he said, it's the saddest case I've ever come across. These were his words. And the most unusual. He said, I'm not satisfied at all that there was a breach of the safety order. And he dismissed the case. Oh, so that, okay. So now, okay, so the safety order puts a slightly different uh, perspective on things. So there was a safety order in place. But in saying that, he wasn't doing anything to the wife that would be unsafe or considered to be unsafe or putting in her an unsafe situation just by sleeping in the bed. I just don't see the logic. I'm glad the judge saw sense in that particular case. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I think what's sad about that one is it sounds like because they had lost control over the situation that they were mm. looking for to any kind of control whatsoever. So I'd, I'd say the bed was probably their last bit of control that they were holding on to. Can can you imagine if you had to live in the same in, in the same house as your, as your People partner do when silly things. Like, well, I remember a case, uh, somebody had spoken to me before about a case of a couple who were back and forward to court four times over the ownership of a laptop. Um, now, they, they, had, they had agreed eventually on everything else within the divorce, but he wanted the laptop and she wouldn't give it to him. So they were back and forward, forward to court where it was kind of put forward. Now, the court cases probably cost them about three or four grand for the, you know, the four court cases because you'd have to get your barrister and your solicitors and all that. For a laptop that was probably worth 400 quid. You know, and that, just gave her the bloody laptop. Yeah, so it wasn't really about the laptop. <laughs> no, it's just not like about the laptop. It wasn't about the bed, I suppose. No, it's case. not about yeah. the bed. It's not about the bed or it's not about the laptop. It's about who's winning, isn't that really always about what it's about? You know, who's winning? Who gets ahead? Who gets the brownie point? It's staffed. Uh, there should be a better arrangement. I mean, I know that we're trying to rejig and relook or revisit all family law in Ireland. And we need to look at it because it's so unfair, family law. And it's so degrading to, to people, to men and to women, by the way. But primarily to men, it seems to be quite unfair at the moment. And I think there needs to be more balance in family law. And also, there shouldn't be going to court. Mediation should be the way to sort all this thing out. So there should be a demand that you go to mediation and not a courtroom and let a judge just rubber stamp it afterwards. Anyway, a man found himself in front of a judge, another judge, following what has been described as one of the most bizarre drug dealing cases ever seen. Now... Mm-hmm. Again, I'm interested. Well, everything locally. Locally, okay, locally. Yeah, locally. That would that would be yeah, yeah, a, a big check there, wouldn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Not in the world can we establish. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, so this is a bizarre drug dealing case that saw a 68 year old Dutch native travel from Cork to Dublin and back, and then supply heroin out of his car in a case where he claimed he wanted it for pain relief relief for his wife. So keeping in mind, he's 68 years old and never, I don't think he had been in trouble. But the sergeant, um, the sergeant there, he described how the crime, crime came to light. So on September 8th, 2021, Garda Derry O'Brien and Garda Francis O'Riordan were on plain clothes patrol of the city centre. At 4.40 on the, on the Lord Lammire Road, there was a known drug dealer observed leaning into the window of a car and the car had pulled in and Gardie could see the male driver had plastic bags in his hand and when told that he was about to be searched he immediately handed over those plastic packs. The man gave his details and everything else and he, he said it was heroin which he planned to supply to someone else. 
Frank mm. Budimer, the solicitor, said it's, it, it's an unusual tale. He wasn't known to the guards. The other person in the drug transaction at the car was known to them. And contemplating getting involved in something like this is really bizarre. As, as I said, he was never in trouble in his life. And the idea of being involved in drugs would have been, it would have been very alien to him. His wife had health problems. This is what they're... Yeah. This is what they were saying in court, in court even. He came up with this idea, a friend, inverted commas, some friends suggested he could um, he could get a heroin and that it would be helpful to his wife. And that same friend suggested he should travel to Dublin where he might be less exposed and he could get a small quantity of heroin. Wow. So he got €150 Euro worth of the drug. Now, Mr. Bodimer said that on the defendant's return to Cork, he was contacted by the friend asking he w- if he would provide him with two of the packages. And in effect, this is the transaction that occurred. In relation to the accused man before the court, Mr. Bodimer said that it was highly unusual. And Judge Olin Kelleher, he said, it's a bizarre situation. I don't accept his <laughs> bona fides as easily as you do, doing the best you can for him. Uh, he brings back heroin from Dublin to Cork and passes on the he heroin. Must be, he must be very naive now, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he said, I don't accept <laughs> all of his bona fides. But I do accept it is unusual. So the judge said it merit, it did merit a custodial sentence. However, in the circumstances, he said he would fine him 750 euro for possession of the heroin and four months suspended for having it for sale or yeah. supply. That's, well, that's, that's a, a reasonable. One. Have you ever heard of anybody <laughs> getting heroin for no. their sick wife? Not for medicinal purposes. No, no, I don't. I, 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 I heard of cannabis. Yeah, I've heard seven it. up would do it. <laughs> yeah, but that's real Irish, isn't it? Seven up with two spoonfuls of sugar in it to take the fizz out of it. That's what my mother would do all the time. Yeah, that would do the job. But I've heard of I've heard of cannabis being used for medicinal purposes. Now I do know that obviously heroin is an opiate, an opiate. So I mean, I do believe that it may I don't know if used prescribed in hospitals, but certainly not over the. I was going to say over the counter or out the window of the car, as the case may be. Anyway, a mother yeah. and son who spent more than a year uh, living in ho- at a hotel have finally been given the keys to their new home after months of hardship. It's always nice to hear a good luck story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for, for a change. So I went to uh, Yulia's house and her son, Matthew, and... They put on this huge spread for me. It was an in-person interview and it was like bacon wrapped in cheese, wrapped in chicken, wrapped in something else. All these like really nice parts attack on a stick kind of things. Um, and uh, they were just, do you know what it was? It was 11 o'clock in the morning, but they were just so excited to have somebody in their house to entertain um, mm-hmm. because they haven't had a house in so long. They were living in a hotel for a little over a year it was really difficult when they came over to Ukraine first because uh, Yulia was saying that if somebody so much as shut a door she'd uh, she'd have she'd still have that uh, kind of that post-traumatic stress I'd call I'd, I suppose you'd call it after coming from a war-torn country and she was working in the restaurant downstairs but they always dreamed of having their own home. And her son, Matthew, is actually Irish. He's an Irish citizen. He was born in Ireland all those years ago. But she had always wanted to come back. It was it was her husband at the time that wanted to leave. So 
she was saying, be careful what you what you wish for because she had this when she first came to Ireland she had this big beautiful house and lovely jobs and then they were able to see that contrast but it looks like they're finally getting their um, life together and they have their mother and our um, Yulia has her mother and, and ah. father living with her too so they're living in this tiny space but in a, it's a modular home but they're so, so happy. And have you ever seen one of those modular communities? Oh, I have. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. modular houses. Yeah, yeah. They're actually nice. This, this one's really nice. It, I felt like I was in a tiny Ukrainian village. It was. Um, now, I know it, there's a little bit, a really a little nice bit of controversy there. going on. I know you don't like to get involved in the controversy, Sarah, but there is a bit of controversy going on where people are saying, I've been on the hate waiting list for eight years and I'm a citizen in this country and I can't even get one of those nice little houses. And that's just you. Yeah, I'm really joking. Yeah. So there is controversy um, around that whole thing. I'm, well, I'll tell you about that controversy, right? Because yeah. I'm coming at it from the other side. Okay, so I was evicted from my house there. It was um, the landlord just had to sell up, um, mm-hmm. and it was done all fairly and above yeah. board and everything. But over a year ago, and we were really panicked looking for a place to live. So I finally found a place, and I'd been given the keys and everything else. And um, this woman called me the next day and said, um, I've changed my mind. I'm taking in this poor Ukrainian family. They've come from war and mm. um, it's going to be so awful for them. So I have to choose them. And I okay. just went, grunt, that's up to you. I wasn't going to blame the family. But later on, a couple of months later, <laughs> I was talking to someone about this poor Ukrainian family living across the road from, um, from them. And they said, no, there's no Ukrainian family living there. Mm-hmm. So she had just made it up. <laughs> oh no, God! It's because she obviously didn't didn't want me. But okay. I see I see people using it as an excuse sometimes. So I see that side as well, and I don't think that's fair. Okay, okay. Well, I, I, I suppose we, we could do it as a whole topic on the show. We'd have people in ringing in all night giving out about it. But however, you know, good luck to the people who do get the houses, the Ukrainian families who do get them houses. But I hope the government will treat everybody just as equally and as fairly as well because there are many people, of course, waiting patiently who are living in very cramped situations across the country in a hotel accommodation or whatever it happens to be with young kids. And I can only imagine what that must be like to have a microwave in your room and clothes hanging up everywhere and two beds and a whole family in there. You know, kids trying to study for school and do their homework and get dressed and you know it's very very difficult very difficult situation anyway mm-hmm. finally can I just say um, an interesting story about a local radio presenter well actually national radio presenter and his first date seemingly he was dancing on the pier with his wife to be is this true Sarah? Um, I don't know I didn't hear anything about this story my memory it's, a, it's, a, it's in the Echo Live uh, this radio presenter guy it seems like a good looking chap actually I'm just looking at a picture of him there. quite a wonderful looking fella and my gosh his wife who's she's now his wife she's stunningly beautiful anyway they were dancing on the pier in Dunleary I believe what was this yeah. all about? yeah so um so this is a story about you and your <laughs> wife Karen. and my wife Karen yeah yeah do you know your wife, Karen? I feel like I'm talking to somebody who's like, um, who, who, who's like living with like, yeah, dementia <laughs> or something. Maybe <laughs> you're not. <laughs> okay, you tell us. Come on, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you. Like, but the, the story in the pier. Have you ever told that? In the, no, uh, told I've, that story. No, we've never the, told that story to anyone before. but you. You're the first person we told that story to. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was our first date. We had gone for a beautiful meal in a restaurant. 
down in Monkstown, and we decided to take a walk up towards Dunleary. And as far as I remember, it was actually winter. It was reasonably cold. But anyway, uh, it was a lovely clear night. The, scar- uh, the, the stars were all in the sky. And um, I decided um, I'd ask her to dance on the pier. There was nobody around. It was fairly empty, actually. It was kind of like at 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And so I put on our song. Uh, everyone has our song, don't they? They all have a song. So it was Take That and um, Rule the World. Put it out on my phone. Uh, put my phone in my back pocket so we could still hear it. And we danced on the pier. We did. We actually danced to a few songs, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, not just to that one. Because we're mad and we love each other, of course. <laughs> there are some lines of this article that actually read like a Mills and Mills and Boone. Is that a Mills and Boone's, isn't it? Yeah, Mills and Boone. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it is yeah, very Mills, Mills, Mills and Boone, in fairness. I mean, we but, met, yeah, and I, I told you that I, I fell in love with her before I actually met her. Uh, and I knew that uh, before I'd actually met her because we talked for about two weeks on the phone constantly all the time. So I knew everything about her and she knew everything about me before we even met. Mm-hmm. And we so met and we met in Cork, which is the Cork like, connection. That's the connection. We met in Cork, in the voodoo rooms in Cork. Everyone's going to think I introduced you and I'll be blamed yeah. for everything for the story. Can I point um, out she's not I, from Cork, by the way? But we, that's where we decided to meet. <laughs> no, she's, she's, not, she's, not from, she's not from Cork. Um, no. But uh, we, we would we would like to claim her. But will I pick out the cheesiest lines? Go on, pick out, the, pick out the cheesiest line to embarrass me. Go on. Okay, this is a quote from Karen. So she said, this is the, the moment you locked eyes for the first time. So I'm going to bring you back to this moment, okay? Okay. The disco lights were shining, showing up this beautiful smile and eyes that looked like oceans of blue. I don't know if you can describe a man as beautiful, but that's exactly what Niall is. He is just a beautiful soul. Uh, um, I'm starting to well up here. It sounds like I'm making fun of Karen. I'm not. I exactly. know, but that's the way she is. That's the way I feel about her too. I mean, that was the, 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 I can remember that night. I can remember that moment when I saw her for the first time across the crowd because it was jammed. There was over a thousand people there. And I spotted her coming in the door because I'd been looking out to see because I had arranged to meet her there. And I spotted her across the crowd and she had the most beautiful smile and the most beautiful eyes. And we were in love. She was saying it's like having two, she says it's like two Nile Boylan's that you're, you're that alike. They're just another Nile Boylan. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, so and, and it's been a beautiful story. relationship and we got married just before Christmas. So she's now my wife. And we're very happily married. And the two of us are bonkers. So that's, that's why it works, by the way, because the two of us are mad. I mean, anybody who dances on a pier in Dunleary at 12 o'clock at night with a mobile phone in his back pocket to music must be mad. So we're both mad, <laughs> equally. Did, did anyone watch you dancing on the... On I don't the know. Pier? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. But I have okay, to say, that the, the Echo on. Live have put some pictures of us up there and I have to say, I'm not a bad looking bloke. In fairness, she's beautiful. I, I'm punching above me weight here. But, but, you know, in saying that, I'm not a bad looking bloke. Not a bad looking geezer for me age. Sarah. I just, I just wanted to leave you with that. I'm I know, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I know, am, I, am I good looking? Yes, you're very good looking. Yeah. yeah I, I no, actually thought you got, yes, I thought you got agree, cut off. I thought you got no. cut off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sarah, it's been lovely yeah. talking to you. If people want to grab a copy of the Echo, go online, Echo Live. Uh, you'll see those two beautiful people. Uh, if you want to go on the we Echo only put, We only put beautiful people in the Echo, so yeah. Uh, I know. And you'll see the whole story or you'll read the whole story of how I met Karen and how we ended up in the situation we're in today where we're both husband and wife. Uh, and thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us as well because you get to, you got to talk to the two of us the other day and, and share that story and those moments with us. So thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. I'll chat to you next week. See you, bye. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.